Hello everyone and welcome to It's a scene part No It's a scene partner day <laughs> Scene partner day We are scene partners <laughs> I tried to do your accent <laughs> And I don't know what happened <laughs> It's because I was doing that stupid uh, count from the uh, ah, Sesame Street. Ah, yeah, ah. we like the scene. The partners. Ah, ah, ah. Ah. One partner. Why did this happen? Why did I that don't happen? Know. <laughs> hey, how was your day today? It was. You know, I wasn't talking to you. I was talking to the listener. Again to the listeners. <laughs> every time. It's like I'm not I even hope here. It was a beautiful, beautiful, magical day or night, whatever you are feeling. What? What? Uh, speaking of uh, that ac- accent, Shit's Creek is like all over the place all of a sudden again. Dude, that's it's like awesome. Every every awesome. time there's an award ceremony, people remember that this show exists. They deserve it. They've earned that's it. So exciting! I didn't see. Uh, I didn't see Daniel Levy's other show that he did. That was just on Hulu. But I didn't he's either. in a. Well, he's not. It's not like his show. He acts in it. Oh, he oh, like oh, oh, oh. He plays somebody's gay best friend or something. Oh, you're talking about the movie with um Kristen Stewart? Maybe. Where she goes home with the other person, her partner there, and they don't Possible. know that her partner is gay? Maybe. Okay. Well, okay. Well, you know. I just know you. that uh, I just know that he's in it. Ah, yes. That's the extent of my information. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I'm saying I haven't watched There's it. There's like a whole mood going on with you tonight. <laughs> Hey, while we're at it, I've got a bone to pick with you. Oh, my God. Okay. You have ruined The Flash for me. You're right. I didn't. I'm going to be honest. I did not ruin it for you. Well. I just brought to light some things, some little problems. I was okay with turning my brain off. And I don't know if it's because we're writing this other show with Christian, but it's also like, this is bad. Well, they just do the exact same formula every single episode. Yes. And it just gets to the point where you're like, all right, I get it. Somebody's going to cry for no reason. <laughs> but it's going to be at least one person, maybe yes. two. And if not, like, and it's going to happen in a moment that doesn't call for tears. Yes. I don't know, like, what there's is no, the director th- saying? There's no struggle against what is happening. Yeah, there's no obstacle, really. It's just kind of like, I'm upset. Here are some tears. Move, moving on to another. Scene. You know, for example, I'm going to say this. I was watching this past week's episode because you know I'm six, seven seasons in, seasons in now, and the, there are all these people in this scene, and there's one person who's not, and they need this other person to be in the know for what's going on, and the person walks up. Oh, so and so filled me in on everything. <laughs> when, when did that happen? I've not seen a time lapse when this could have possibly happened. This is lazy writing, CW. You know, it's just like we were talking about the other night because uh, the King Arthur movie or one of the King Arthur movies, you know, they're always trying to tell this story. Yeah. But uh, it's like nobody can beat the sword in the stone cartoon. No. Yeah. But anyway, they, they did the... Um, they did a King Arthur movie and it had all these amazing actors in it and it looked like the, the trailer for it. I was like, man, this looks awesome. But I have the feeling that we have just watched all of the awesome things and <laughs> it's not going to be awesome when we watch it. Oh, is this the, the guy Richie one that came out a couple years ago? Yes. Yeah. 
And I wanted it to be so good. Mm-hmm. And it was so close. It was so close. But the edits were all over the place. Yeah. There was this one specific point where even Lexi was like, what? That was bad. That was a bad edit. <laughs> like, she doesn't watch things like that. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm not talking about... I'm, I'll, I'll let her I'll let her talk about that later herself. <laughs> I'm not giving away too much of her personal information. Well, you know, you bring up the editing thing, and I know everyone loves the movie Taken. Cannot freaking stand it. I've never seen it. There's this scene, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you the moment it lost me. At the very beginning, Liam Neeson jumps over this chain link fence, and there and are... you're like, that dude's 60. Yeah. He's not jumping over any fences. There are 30 cuts. True story. They've been counted. There are 30 cuts jumping over a fence, and I'm like... What? I don't understand. Th- he, he, he's running. It's an action scene. It's kind of like the Bourne Identity. You know, there's quick cuts to show like the, the action, so you're yeah. disoriented by it. And just him jumping over he's the just fence jumping over a fence. Yes, there's over 30 cuts in that one moment. And I, I sat there and I went, what is happening right yeah, now? I would have been I am, it out. <laughs> I would have been like, I'm, I'm sorry. Peace I'm just, be with you. Yeah, no. It's why I can't stand to watch movies like The Fast and the Furious because it's cut, 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 yeah. cut. I think, you know, and then that, that, that you King just lose so much. Too. I know. And I just felt so bad because it had so many amazing actors in it mm-hmm. I was like these people are so good and they're doing a good job yeah it's like jude laws in the movie he was doing great with what he had but i just and and that i think for me is why as an actor i i hated film oh yes when i had to perform or like do when i was in a movie i was just it was just not like i could see like it was fun i got to hang out with some of my friends mm-hmm. but I just was not into it. I was like, this is not what I want to do. Like there was a part of me somewhere in the back of my mind before I had done these these two movies um, that I thought, you know what? Maybe that's what I should do. I, should, I don't know why I'm going into theater. I should do on-camera work. Yeah. And that was a bullet dodge, in my opinion. <laughs> it just Well, it's like 16 to 18-hour days, and realistically, you're hardly working. Well, yeah, as an actor, anyway. and you don't have you have no control over the finished product. Yeah. You don't actually know what it's going to look like until you sit down and watch it. Yeah, that's and true. You could give a beautiful performance do, and that editor can get in there and butcher it. Yeah. And then it looks like you've done terrible. Mm-hmm. And I just I, I don't know, maybe I'm too much of a control freak. I just I didn't like the fact that I had zero knowledge of what this was going to look like. Yeah. And or like how they were going to put it together. Yeah. Even really realistically where in the film this is happening sometimes. Yes. Like, oh, I'm doing this scene. Okay. Well, I didn't get the other. Like, where is this happening in the film? (laughs) Yeah. Just do the scene. Oh, okay. Why am I doing it? What's my motivation? Well, that's what's so wonderful and beautiful about theater is that we can ramp up to those moments. We can earn them and we know when and where to earn them. Yeah. I mean, I'm incredibly like, I, I have mad respect for people that can just turn it on at a moment's notice like that, where there's not much of a build and you're not having to, you don't have the energy of building off of the audience mm-hmm. or, you know, like another person sometimes because you're acting to like a green ball on the end of a stick. Yeah. Which just it blows my mind. Um, like those poor people that did that entire avatar film, like, Oh my God. 
Oh, dude, that yeah, because that could have been a big swing and it would have went the other way. Like they just ooh. had literally no idea what they were gonna mm-hmm. look like or what. <laughs> like, well, I don't know. <laughs> we're gonna see. It could be big. <laughs> what are you doing? Guessing. I'm just. I'm looking. I'm looking over here, and then sometimes they tell me to look over there. That's what I do. I'm a. This is. I call this looking. It's not even acting anymore. But it is interesting seeing the people that transition between theater and film. Yeah. And a lot of times it's like Lexi was even saying uh, yesterday, um, and I think she's okay with me telling this, but uh, she had, she was watching, like she was in the uh, doctor's office and she was watching the TV and it was on like CSI or Law mm-hmm. and Order or whatever those shows are that film in New York. And um, Lin-Manuel Miranda was in one of the episodes. And it was from a long time ago, yeah. you know, before he was who he is now. And uh, she was like, I can't believe he was in that show. And I was like, yeah, all of those Broadway performers, they all do Law & Order. They've all done oh, yeah. Law & Order. <laughs> it's like all of my friends that are in theater in New York have all been a dead body on Law & Order. They're <laughs> like in multiple episodes in a single season. Yeah, yes. they're just like, they start off in the beginning whenever the bad thing happens, and then they're a corpse, and it's... Sometimes they come back. Yeah. But <laughs> they're like the crazy cat lady in the next episode. Or it's like Raul Esparza, who is this amazing theater actor. Mm-hmm. And now he's just known for Law and Order. Yeah. that's He's on it all the time. He's like a, a running character. Like that's the running joke. He appears at least once in every episode. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he he's like a Tony Award winner, mm-hmm. and this is what he's doing because he can make more money doing that. Oh, well, especially once it gets into syndication, and yeah. anytime they're like, "Oh, we're gonna play one of his episodes," it's a nice little check in the mail. It's just it's it is very interesting, and then there are some people that I wonder, well, like how it hasn't gone the other way, like how they, what how like how they're how they're still. What I mean is. Like how they're uh, they're so good and they're on they're on stage all the time, mm-hmm. and they never do film. Yeah, and I think it has to be a choice. Yeah, like I know, uh, like Kristen Chenoweth mm-hmm. does. You know, she's been on Broadway forever, and she does. It would seem any film. That anyone asks her to do, yes, she is gonna say yes. I think she just says yes to whatever. She's like, "All right, let's see what happens." Yeah, sounds like fun. I'll do it. I'll do it. But you have people that I think, for me, I would think I think that I would go on the other side of the spectrum, and I'd be like, "No, I'm good. Like I'm doing the thing I want to do, Mm -hmm. and I'm all right." But you know, it's easy to say whenever you're not offered whatever amount of money. I'm sure she's yeah, that's true. But it's you know having. Because you and I have had a unique experience, I think, being in or, and definitely on on a film set. And it's just it's so long. It's it, it's I know that people talk like, oh, well, you're quote unquote movie stars. But I mean, dude, they they do the least amount of work and they sit there all day forever. Yeah. And even worse than that are the people who are extras because they sit there all day and get yelled at and they're the last on everything. They get yelled at. They get given the least amount of information. Yes. All right. You're you're <laughs> reacting to this. What? And they don't even get to eat the food. Yeah, that's true. They don't even actually get uh, craft services or anything like that. It's just, just crazy. <laughs> I remember hearing that of being like, wait, so when you're an extra, you don't get food like the. So it 
is like this crazy. It's like a cast system. Mm -hmm. It's like so the people that are like cast in the movie. They're in there eating a lot of really awesome food. And I'm in this other tent with a bunch of people who smell bad. Like, yes. what, why would no nothing? We don't do we get water. Like, that's just crazy. But I also think that it's a lot to do with what you were talking about, too, about how your performance can get so mangled in the edit. Yeah. Because they're like, oh, well, we want this cool shot over here. We need this thing over here. And, and instead of like trying to convey the story in a beautiful way, like using your scenery, using the way that you set up the shots and you quick cut all these times back and forth, back and forth. And, and you're just taking all these bits and pieces of what the, the Zack Snyder cut of Justice League is a great example of this. Right. Yeah, no, it's a it's a good it's a good movie or like the the performances are good. Yeah. That were absolutely terrible in the other film. Yeah. It's like I don't I can't, I can't tell if it's the editor or if they really didn't care for the <laughs> to come back and do I reshoots. I think it's or, absolutely the edit. Yeah. And and that that's what that told me. But but you see them in this other movie and it's like, wow, there's a careful crafted performance to everyone in this longer cut of this film because yeah. they knew what they were making. And they now, trusted I don't think the director. That I'll ever watch that whole thing ever. Never again. in one sitting again. Yeah. Never. <laughs> like that's not that's not going to happen for me. But it was just very interesting seeing that like, you know, so much of your performance is just given up to someone mm -hmm. else. Now, I mean, when you're on stage, the the director does have so much control about, you know, you do have to trust. Yeah. Um, I guess kind of in the way of the film, like on a film set of being mm -hmm. like, all right, I trust where you're going with this and I'm going to I'm going to follow. But surely, you know, but when you you've reset the camera three or four times and you're doing the same performance. Yeah. This is going to get mangled. Yeah. Man, the first time that I was ever, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but I was in this movie, Hollis, uh, with my friend Ty. And actually, he was cast in the film, and they were looking for um, his, like, a best friend role for, for him. And the director actually contacted him and was like, hey, if you know of anyone, we're looking for somebody. Um, it would be awesome if you knew the person. Like, we're looking for it to be a relationship. Uh, like that people will be able to tell that you guys are really good friends. Mm -hmm. And he was actually visiting. I was doing a show in Louisiana and they, he had come down to visit and it was around my birthday. And he said, Hey, do you want to send in a video audition for this movie? And I was like, Oh sure. Why not? So we filmed this most ridiculous audition video, which I, I will have to ask him if he still has it, because I would love to see it because I'm pretty sure we were both wearing like weird, ridiculous hats. Like it was very late. I think we'd had a couple of uh, drinks <laughs> and then we filmed this because I honestly just did not care. I'd like film yeah. was just not on my radar. I was like, Oh, this will be fun. And then I guess the director thought it was funny and could tell that we were friends because he gave me the, like the sidekick best friend. Yeah. Role. And, um, there's this movie called Hollis and it was a really good film. But um, I had never really done anything like that before. And they had rented out this diner and we were sitting in this diner and uh, and we were supposed to be eating like hamburgers. Mm -hmm. and, um, and like the sheriff comes in. I can't really totally remember everything that happens. But either way, I'm supposed to be like the funny guy. And I'm in this booth and they put diner food in front of me and I ate it. 
<laughs> I wasn't paying attention. I was just like, cool. And I just ate it. And when they called cut, the entire crew started kind of laughing. And they were like, oh, my God. <laughs> I was like freaking hungry, though. Um, and they were like, how, how many of those tater tots did you eat? I was like, I don't know. Twenty? I don't know how many. I, they're like, holy <laughs> crap, dude! That was the master shot. Like, what do you do? You remember where you ate all those? And I was like, <laughs> yes, I remember where I ate all those. Because <laughs> in film they do oh, like a master shot, and yes. then they do like a couple of other shoots, and then They'll they the always cut, cut back yeah. to the master. And so when you eat, it was just now since then, ever since this moment in my life, whenever I watch any film or anything and I see people not eating the food that's right in front of them and they're just kind of moving it around and acting like they're going to eat mm-hmm. but then they don't I'm like uh-huh I see you this is terrible <laughs> I know what you're doing it's like you're smarter than I was yep someone told you somebody had this conversation I you'd be so sick ate, of food no you have no idea <laughs> I ate I'm trying to remember the actual number of tater tots it was ridiculous. I felt like I could, like you could smell it just coming out of my pores, the <laughs> amount of tater tots that I had that day. I ate so many tater tots because um, they were trying to get this shot right because it was like a moving shot and like the they were trying to get the sh- like sheriff and like some other people that were moving in and out of the shot without any mess ups and people yeah. kept messing up and I had to keep eating these freaking tater tots. They had to leave. They like ran out of tater tots in this diner. They had to go to Sonic and buy like <laughs> fifty tater tots. Jason, for the love of God, man, <laughs> come in when you're supposed to. Hit your mark. I was so sick. We got in the car and I was like, "You guys, I, I'm gonna die. Like I'm gonna die." <laughs> I laid down on the back seat. I just thought this was the, that was it. I thought I would never, ever, ever eat a tater tot ever again in my life. So, I mean, you know, that would have been really nice to know beforehand. <laughs> but even now, whenever you watch, when you watch that movie and you like see me in the diner and I'm like holding the tater tot, just like going to town, <laughs> throwing them in my face. It'd be great to have the footage of that master shot and just watching the director's face. Well, like, And you know what, what was sad doing? about that was I got a phone call. Like I had already moved to Chicago and I got a phone call from the director and they had done everything and they were like hey um we need to basically do adr for your entire role jeez (laughs) (laughs) and we know that you're you know out of state now and that you're not around so if is there any way like if, if you're coming back into town or if there's something that we can like meet you and i was like guys okay um We'll figure this out. And so, like, I happened to be going back into Oklahoma, and I did this. Like, I ADR'd the whole part, which mm-hmm. is sad because it basically, like, now when you watch it, you're just watching me try to record and match my acting yeah. choices. Because ADR, that was one thing that I didn't really know much about in film. And now I feel like since I did this movie, I can see it so easily mm-hmm. whenever they do it. I'm like, oh, that was ADR. But it's it's audio recording, basically yeah. like re-recording all of your audio while watching it. And so I was trying to match all of my lines, and it just, oh, uh, 
And it was sad because then none of my acting choices were there anymore. And I feel like, in all honesty, like the performance was just terrible. So yeah. I don't really tell people much about that film. <laughs> yeah, the ADR stuff is, uh, I guess, once you see how the sausage is made, you like see it all the time and everywhere. And you sometimes when you're trying to watch The Flash, you turn your brain off. And then once it starts to kick back in, you're like, yeah, you're like, oh, they're doing just so terrible. I, I see all of the things that they're doing. And and like I agree with you that the ADR removes so much of what you were trying to achieve in the moment. Yeah, I think it's just like yet again, another obstacle that's like, OK, so this is yet again something that is removing me mm-hmm. from an honest performance. And I think that's why I don't like film. Yeah. And it's, it's, well, I mean, that's one of the reasons. It's like there's, you don't have the connection with the audience. You don't have the full spectrum of the show that's happening all at once. Mm-hmm. And you, you just have no power over what the performance is going to look like. Yeah. And that's, you know, uh, Richard E. Grant, I don't know if I gave you that book or not, but Richard E. Grant, who's one of my favorite actors, wrote a book called With Nails and I. And, um, it's based off of this film that he did, but they, when they were, it was his first movie that he ever did. And when they recorded it, they rehearsed the entire movie beforehand, like a play Mm. and they did it in front of an audience. And so they would have the audience there and they would just run through the show just like it was, you know, going to be shot on the day. Yeah. And the movie is like my favorite movie. I think it is so funny. And their connection is so there. And I think it's because they know where the audience reactions are. Yeah. And they also had that opportunity. Like, how amazing. They had this opportunity to see what works and what doesn't work with Mm. a live audience. Yeah, because I know when you uh, rehearse or workshop, you know, uh, in film, you know, they go away and you're, like, isolated. But to do something like that, to test it, to see what works, what doesn't work, and how can we fix it? How can we tweak it? What can Mm -hmm. we do to make it better? That's that's basically getting previews before your movie, and that's yeah. awesome. I just think it was so smart, and I think that's one of the reasons why I love that movie so much. I mean, I none of the film sets that I've ever been on, I there's not been much rehearsal Mm-mm. as far as like before the shot happens. Come here, stand here, stop here. Here's your mark. Okay, you good? You good? You're going to look over here. This is where the camera's going to be. Even worse than that is they use the stand-ins until right before a roll. Yeah. Which is crazy. It's like I would want to be in that space to yeah, see I'd it, be to there feel the whole it out. Time. Yeah. I mean, I guess everybody's a little different. Maybe, you know, if we made it to being super famous, we would feel differently. But it just... <laughs> <laughs> it's not it's just not something that I I think that I'd want to do. Yeah. Um but I am interested in the amount of people that do film and then really want to do theater like they want to cut their teeth and do some yeah. good like real acting. I think it's just interesting whenever that happens. I w- I will say I was told multiple times on on different movie sets that the best actors are always ones who come from the stage. Yeah, and not the other way around. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like that that's got to be true because you just the preparation and yeah, it's got to be there. Well, to build to build honest moments in front of a live audience is very different than trying to craft something for like yeah. a quick moment. Yeah. Yeah. And you just, you know, being able to I think that also like the a stage performer is just going to have 
you know, you're so used to performing in such a large way mm-hmm. so that, you know, you're performing to the whole audience and they can see you and understand your emotions. And I think whenever you get the opportunity to, I mean, that is one thing that I do love about film is that you do get to experience things on a more intimate, real level. Mm-hmm. Where like on the stage, you know, sometimes it just doesn't lend itself to that. Like I'm going to have to be a little larger. Yeah. I can't. I can't feel this moment with a facial expression. Well, that's, you know, yeah, that's kind of what you were talking about at um, acting class this past week. You know, go to the furthest spectrum because I can rein you back from that, but it's so hard to kick you down the road. Oh, yeah. Go, to get there. Go far in. Yeah. This last week's acting class was one for the books for me. <laughs> <laughs> I had just got back. I just realized I wouldn't even talk about the fact that, um, I got back and survived that camping trip. Yeah, how was the uh, um, hanging out I with the junior that, high kids? Like, you know, kids are so different than whenever I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And just the fact that, you know, really, I spent most of my time outside. And, I mean, I said multiple times, you know it's bad whenever your fine arts teacher is teaching you sports. <laughs> like... <laughs> That is bad. That should not happen. Knowing that you're a bit of a sports savant. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was like, I'm teaching you basketball and volleyball. I'm teaching you to throw a frisbee. Like, what in the world? Now, I mean, I will say that, like, frisbee was a big part of my college experience. So, yes. I mean, we played ultimate frisbee like every day. So I mean, fri- well now now what's really popular is frisbee golf. So yeah, I never really got into the frisbee golf thing. I thought that was a little wimpy, if I'm honest. But that's you know it is what it is. Says a man who played ultimate frisbee. Oh, I've got the frisbee. I can't move. Ultimate. It's like football, man. I've never been tackled in ultimate frisbee. Oh man, you weren't playing it right. <laughs> <laughs> that's not ultimate. <laughs> Playing whatever is under ultimate. It's ultimate frisbee royale. You're playing like medium no frisbee. Rule. Or like nice, <laughs> nice frisbee. That's what you're playing. Semi-ultimate frisbee. You were just I playing frisbee. I feel like we we would get in trouble because people would end up getting injured. Mm-hmm. I think we were, we were just too ultimate. We could just like run into one another. That's different than like, no, I'm no. just going to full on tackle it you. It was full on, ta- full on. It was take him out. Get him out of there. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good time but anyway so I, I mean we had fun it was interesting seeing how the you know i i think i said this to some of the people that went to shepherd on the trip it was like you know we're having a very different trip than these kids are <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just they're having a great time though um i was very happy to be home, I'll say that I had not ridden a school bus probably for 15 years, maybe longer, actually. Did it take you back? Let's say 20. It's been 20 <laughs> years since I've ridden on a school bus. And at first I was like, oh, the novelty of this is so cool. Look at me on a school bus. I remember this. I don't really fit. This is terrible. And <laughs> they're um, a lot smaller than you remember. Yeah, they're so small. I mean, I, I feel like I, I've been uncomfortable. I was uncomfortable on the bus all the time. Mm-hmm. It's just from being tall. You've always been but six foot three. Always. And um, I like riding the bus for that long all the way into Texas. I was just like, you know, 
I think I'm past the age that you can ride on a bus like this. Like I'm my entire body hurts so bad just from sitting on this bus and being jostled about. I was like, I need like I need a seatbelt just to hold me in place. Like, is there an so adult car seat? Gripping the, the seat in front of you and holding on to the top. Well, and so then I would try to go sideways because my feet don't really fit in front of me in the between the seats. But then I'm going like, oh, it's just I just nauseous. The school bus was something else. Well, it's not like there's a lot of uh, shock absorption going on. No, 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 no. I mean, school buses are way nicer now than they were. They've definitely upped their game. But they're just, it's still just a school bus. It's terrible. Yes. It's just terrible. Um, but I think the kids had a great time, and I was really glad that we went. I think it was a good experience for them. So all around, a good time. Um, and I was real happy to be home. <laughs> but we went like I got home and then immediately went to this acting class pretty mm-hmm. much. I mean, I think I might have had like two and a half hours yeah. before this acting class. And I don't know what it was. If I was just like on like, I don't know, this high from being in charge that entire time of that like stress and then finally getting <laughs> back and just being still in like this go mode. Yeah. But by the time I made it to the theater, I was just, I don't know. I felt like I was on a whole other plane of existence. <laughs> and I thought, should have canceled this class. Like I should have <laughs> hardcore just been like, all right, you guys, this was not a good idea. There was a lot of charging towards people. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, I, I enjoyed it. There was a charcuterie. I had a, a little charcuterie box for everybody, so that's nice. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Those things like I are so. Well, I don't. I can't. I can't ever say it correctly. So I just call it your uh, your your little chikatra. Chikatra. Um, I, they're so popular now. I don't know. It's just like here's a here's a a, a flat board of mixed nuts and cheeses. Ugh. Whatever. You're just the worst. I mean, they're so popular now. It's an adult lunchable. Like it's an amazing adult yeah, lunchable. Yeah. How dare you? you can never you can't have any more of my chikatra. I you know, okay. <laughs> just take your salami and arrange it as a little meat flour. It's not salami. Whatever it, it comes with. Oh my god, <laughs> peasant. <laughs> um, but the acting class was fun. It is it is difficult as an acting teacher, you know, in the in the world of of doing like, you know, where we are of like how do you um, keep people interested and make sure that they're still participating in a in a way that is beneficial to everyone mm-hmm. and isn't like a waste of your or anyone else's time. Yeah. And so it's it's kind of hard for me sometimes to figure out how I'm supposed to phrase things to some people. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if if someone is not prepared for the class, mm-hmm. I don't know personally, like I if you're not prepared for the class, I, I'm a little confused as to why you want to take it. Mm-hmm. But I'm also like, all right, that that's cool. I mean, life happens. It is what it is. But what am I supposed to do as your teacher now? Yeah. Because I now don't have anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so now I'm just going to be like, mm, okay, 
let's uh, let's uh, figure it out. I mean, so I look forward to. Luckily, there are like an, enough people in there that are all prepared and like have their stuff together. Mm-hmm. But it's just so nice whenever you, when it's not like you're having to struggle and you can just like do the class the way it's supposed to be done. Yeah. Well, it's interesting to me because it's it's watching you play with the blank slate with uh like silly putty almost like you're molding this clay into yeah. this thing like okay let me let me kind of show you like how to get there find the process and kind of like yeah. the things that we were trained to do well and i think it's kind of hard too whenever you're a first time performer or this is the first time that you're doing stuff it's hard to know exactly what you're supposed to do mm-hmm. and so it's it's almost like all right i will give you the tools to do this but like i mean at some point you do have to do it. Yeah. You know, I th- and I think there's a little bit of fear there of being like, all right, if I, if I'm going to do this, like, am I prepared to be that vulnerable yeah. to be like, Oh, here I am. I did it. I tried. And if I try and everybody knows I tried and I didn't do a good job, mm-hmm. then people will know that I did this bad. Yeah. And I don't want people to know that. So I should just, pretend like i haven't tried (laughs) yeah and then it's almost like oh well then it makes sense why it's not very good because they didn't have the time when in reality it's like i know that you're prepared Mm -hmm. i know that you could do this like let's just put all that bs to the side yeah let's just do the thing it's just hard you know you can't really say that (laughs) yeah but it's also like you want to you want to it's it's how to convey that and and I'm watching you employ all of these things that I haven't done in so long. And it's so fun and interesting to like be a part of it. It's like, yeah. wow, this was, this is like really taking me back. <laughs> it's almost like reading the, uh, uh, theater for dummies kind of manual, like yeah. getting back to basics. Um, so that to me is really fun and interesting, but I'll take that as my Yelp review. <laughs> it's Cody's still one star. Class. <laughs> you yell theater at a lot for of people. Dummies. <laughs> It's like being taken back to theater for dummies. Well, you know what Just I mean? Like you pick up those on my- you pick up those books and it's like the most basic groundwork for anything you're trying to look at or study. I don't even know if they even still make or sell those books anymore, but back oh, in the day they know. were really popular. Um I feel like it's all gotta be online. Sure Wikipedia's got to have put them out of business in some yeah. facet, I, I guess. Mean, that's yeah. basically what Wikipedia is. Yeah. And YouTube. I mean, <laughs> why would I why would I, as an American man, read a dummies book when I could just YouTube how to do it and someone could show me? Well, you know, the internet ha- and especially smartphones have become the end of critical thinking. It's true. Altogether, because we can just look up the information and quickly forget it. Um, but no, it's true. It's just my opinion, by the way, on that. Um, <laughs> no, it's really, it's really cool to see you sort of charge uh, uh, people with... The, the the challenge of think about this differently yeah think about this like this and and maybe approach it like this when you're reading through it find a new way to to become this character like i like and and like you said set all the bs aside we can do all of this other stuff when we're working on it yeah I mean, you just want to like try to find like whenever you have the opportunity and the time mm-hmm. why not just jump in and see what sticks you know there's if if there are no wrong answers like find find where it doesn't work yeah the only way you're going to do that is to fail a little bit i mean that's i appreciated so much 
like you had that awesome um when you did your contemporary monologue from Smokefall, it was so good. And it was good from the beginning. But whenever I asked you to change it, you didn't want to, but you did it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I appreciated that so much. I was like, oh, he doesn't want to do this. And then later, like afterwards, I was like, hey, you didn't feel that. And you were like, no. I was like, all right, well, don't do it. Well, the thing is, and and as an as a performer and you're working with a, a director, uh, a lot of times, and this is what we all have to set aside, and it's very hard to do when you've been thinking about this a certain way, like... I wanted to create this sympathetic thing. And then you were like, well, what if he's more of a kind of a sleazy person? And this is really why this is happening. And I didn't, I didn't think about it in that way. So I had to retrain, especially like on the fly, retrain my thinking. And it was like, I'm resisting doing that because I, I want to do what yeah. I prepared over you here. You want to do what you prepared. And then um, it was so much, I think, better for it. And I think that it's it can be this collaborative thing where it's like, you can still build that sympathy, but you can still well, like you have to fight bring, that sleazy too. Yeah, you have to bring your stuff to the table. Yeah. And I think that's what so many people on a community setting don't really realize. Like when you get cast in a role, you got cast in the role for a reason. Mm -hmm. I'm not supposed to, as your director, give you every single acting choice that you're supposed to do. Like you need to come in with something. Yeah. With an idea of what your character is. And, you know, in my concept or whatever that we've decided for the show, if it fits, then great. But I can also change that. Mm -hmm. But the director is not supposed to do all of your work for. I mean, that's why you're there. You're the actor. Yeah. You're supposed to, you know, come up with your version of this, mm -hmm. which is what you did. You came up with this version of this character. But I didn't want it to just be a sympathetic thing. Yeah. <laughs> But it was also which cool. is why I was trying to bring in some different levels, and we found I think that we found together a really awesome, oh yeah, awesome way to do that monologue. And it I I don't know it it I mean from the very beginning whenever you first did the monologue it brought me to tears, and then by the end I was just like man this is like a home run it makes me want to do the whole show but we just don't have the budget <laughs> yet. Um, <laughs> I mean, we literally have no budget for anything at this point. But. We've got to still start selling those nectar mattresses. <laughs> Everyone, this week we are sponsored by. Oh, um, my gosh. I would love that. The uh, But but it's also, it, it's really fun and really cool when you're workshopping and working with someone. And, th and that's what I love about theater. It's so collaborative. Like, we brought our two ideas and concepts together. And when it didn't work, I didn't feel it. And I had that open conversation with you. And you were like, you didn't feel that. I was like, absolutely not. Sorry. Like what that, what the, I don't, I, I can't, that doesn't work in my wheelhouse of what we're trying to do over here. I, I get that what you're trying to do. I just don't know that I, I felt it. Yeah. And, and it's okay to have those conversations where it's like, maybe this doesn't work. Maybe this one part doesn't work, but the rest of it can. And, you know, if it doesn't work for you as the actor spending forever trying to force something in uh, a, a, you know, a, a square peg into a circle mm -hmm. hole. It, just, it doesn't work. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But you do have to try. Yeah. I know that I've worked with, and I think I said this the other night at class, but I've worked with directors before where if you don't try it from the very beginning and then show them that it doesn't work, 
then they like <laughs> dig yeah. their heels in and basically are like, this is the way it will be done. Yeah. It's, it then becomes a pride thing. Yeah. They're like, no, I know better and this is how it will be. And that's the end. It's like, yeah, but no, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like, but really not really not. Um, I wonder if there's anyone that's in film right now that you think should transition and would be like awesome on the stage. Mm. I'll tell you, I saw, and I, I, I'll, I'll tell you my first while you think, cause I, I know that was kind of a big one. Um, I saw the, um, the glass menagerie with Zachary Quinto. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, where he was Tom and I had only seen him in Star Trek before. I didn't realize that he was a theater actor and he was, um, it was him and Ginger Jones, Ginger, Ginger Jones. Um, anyway, he came out and he was like, why I am Tom. <laughs> Here I am in this town. Oh. And I was like, holy <laughs> crap. Like, make this stop. <laughs> we got another two hours of this. Oh, my gosh. I mean, the I will tell you that the person that played Laura in that production and the gentleman caller were absolutely stellar. They were amazing. But I was so sad at his performance, even though I could tell, I could watch him and I could tell that he was in it. Yeah. And in his mind, I mean, everything that he was doing was great, but this accent was so intense and forced that it just threw me out of the show. Like, I mean, I, it was like down, like, so far away from the show. It'd be different if so he were like away. a little side character, but he's the freaking he was, lead. And it just never stopped. And it was a very movement heavy show. And then I turned, I found out later that he, that it was more, they did a lot more like movement and weird stuff in the transitions until it went into uh, like pre-production for Broadway when they were workshopping it. And the producers were like, yeah, a Broadway audience isn't going to be down for this. So, Y'all need to get rid of all of that theater stuff. Mm. Um, and they did. And I almost wish they hadn't because I feel like I would have been able to experience a little bit more about what they... Because I yeah. think it was the American Theater Wing that brought that show to Broadway. But anyway, they just... So many amazing moving parts. They had... Um, they built this like deck because it's a memory play. And then they had the deck in this, it looked like it was floating, like the house was floating. Mm -hmm. And all around it were stars. And they had water around the deck on the ground. And, or I'm assuming that it's water, but the water was black. Mm -hmm. And it had little fiber optic um, lights everywhere. And so there was a moment when Laura walked down, and it still sticks in my brain. I just, it was so beautiful. She walks down with her glass unicorn and she's holding it and it they turn they turn the lights down and it was just her and it looked like she was just floating in a sea of stars. Oh, that's really cool. It was that's epic. awesome. And the gentleman caller was just sitting on the couch and you could see that he like was watching her have this special moment. Yeah. That's with this cool. thing that she loved. And then you know later he broke it. 
But <laughs> and it was really <laughs> Spoiler sad. Spoiler alert. But they just like, I mean, if you don't know, that <laughs> now you know. Blow out your candles, yeah. Laura. Um, so, but anyway, it just was so beautiful. And, but his performance, I was just so, I was bummed. It was so bummed out. Mm-hmm. I was real bummed out. So maybe that's a transition that shouldn't happen. <laughs> Did that give you enough time to think about yours? <laughs> I thought you were going to talk about you saw someone that was in film and they gave this beautifully crafted performance. <laughs> not just like, no, it was the worst it thing I'd ever not, seen. It was not great. Well, I will say, though, what was strange was that the performance was good. The accent was so bad that it, it took made you out it of terrible. It. Yeah. But if if he wouldn't have had that accent, if he would have just played it straight, like without the without any Southern dialect, mm-hmm. I think that it it would have been... Amazing. Like I would have always thought about that performance when I thought about Classman Asher. <laughs> but now I think about it in a wrong way. Yeah. Um I I got a I got a couple that I really but if if I had to pick like one that I would love to see on stage, and maybe he's done stage performances, but it'd probably I'd have to pick Sean Astin. Mm-hmm. You don't know who that is. Is that snowboarder? No, <laughs> that Olympic snowboarder. I'm talking about the guy who played Rudy, um, Samwise Gamgee. Oh yeah, Bob from. Uh, I don't Stranger know Things. if he. I don't know if he has done. See, theater. that's. I don't think he has. Well, I, I can't say that I don't think he has. I know that he's been a film actor since he was a kid. Yeah, very young. But he's always given these very love genuine yeah. performances. He's so good. He just he like connects so well. Yeah. I think that's what I like most about him is that I feel like that he truly, really connects with the people in the scene with him. Mm-hmm. Like, just even, such a good listener. E- exactly, that's what it is. And and like when he's telling that story in um, uh, Stranger Things season two, and he's talking. Oh my god, to, I forgot that he was in that. Yes, he's talking so to Will, good. and I thought they were playing against the stereotype of him being this really likable character. Yeah, they were building him to be sinister. And I went, I don't I don't even know if he can do it. Yeah. But they they didn't. And like how that all played out was so wonderful. Yeah, it was so, so good. wonderful. I don't know if he's done any film or any theater, but he should. He yeah, should he really do should. Theater. That's kind of like when I found out that George Costanza was a huge theater performer. Yeah. I thought that was so weird. He, <laughs> you see him do interviews now. And he acts like everything he did on Seinfeld was beneath him almost. <laughs> and I'm just like, dude, that's so good. You're, you you make bank off of this show forever. Like yeah. I mean, you know, forever. I don't even know that guy's real name. J- Jason Alexander. There it is, Jason yeah. Alexander. And he really is like a very. He's like a Tony Award winning. I know that actor. he. Ca- yeah, he came to he came to my school, like my college, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I think he's gone there a couple of times, given master classes, and everybody seems to really like him. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know. I think I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's just the way he interviews about it. There's something, there's some sort of resentment there, and I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's because Jerry was more popular than he was. Well, I mean, obviously, everyone that was involved in that TV show was more talented than Jerry. Well, that he see. That's the that's the thing that I love most about what he did there was that he knew he wasn't a great performer, but he surrounded himself with these people Everyone else who were was. so freaking good. Yeah, it they didn't were matter. all so good. It didn't yeah. matter. You you like almost forgave it. It's kind of like Jimmy Fallon. Yeah, just, he's not gonna he's not gonna win an Oscar. Never no. will. <laughs> but and he, he knows, knows that. 
<laughs> and you know that he knows it. Yeah. And he knows that you know it. <laughs> but I, I will say that Jerry, at the very end of the show, on the very last episode, I'm sure you've heard him say that, or maybe I've mentioned it before, about how uh, they would always huddle up the four of them. And on the very last episode, he said, when they think of one of us, they'll think of all of us. Yeah. And that is incredible. That is awesome. Um, another performer that I will say that it is like an insane film actor and is also like one of my favorite theater actors is Michael Shannon. Mm, yes. Michael Shannon. I like. I don't know. I I think that I used to have like a huge actor crush on Michael Shannon. <laughs> and I know that because he's a Chicago based actor. And when I was up there, I would always talk to people and they'd be like, oh, Michael. Oh, Mike. Like everybody would be like, oh, I know Michael. Do you remember when Michael did this? Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. Is he homeless? We don't know, Michael. <laughs> I was like, yeah, it's great. I don't know, but I think he's really talented. Um, So I guess there was a running joke because he was preparing for a role and lived on a park bench for a year. See, that's that method thing. I can't get behind Yeah, he that. just like is real intense. Um, And so like no one, no one knew if he was, so that was like a running joke if he was homeless or not. But he has, um, he's an ensemble member with Red Orchid Theater up there. And that's where I saw this production of, uh, it was called The Aliens, which I've talked to you about that started with five minutes of silence. Mm, yes. And it was epic. And I really, I think that I would be the type of person that this would annoy, but maybe I'm not. I mean, really, maybe that's just, I don't know. But I, I just, I, didn't think that I would like it, but they were so active in the silence that it was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, that was just so beautiful. But he got nominated for a Jeff Award, and in Chicago, the Jeffs are kind of like the Tonys. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like I think in Dallas they have the Susan or the Susan Susies or the Susan somethings. Anyway, doesn't matter. But um. So we were at the Jeff Awards. Uh, I had gone there with David. He was nominated for something. I can't, I can't remember. But so Michael was nominated. And Michael, Michael Shannon, is he homeless? <laughs> Michael. <laughs> so I saw Michael Shannon. I was like, holy crap, that's Michael Shannon. <laughs> like, he's so good. <laughs> like, I've got to go talk. To, like, this is crazy. Like, I'm, like, here with all these other actors, and he's, like, also one of those actors. Mm-hmm. Like, i got to go talk to Michael Shannon. So I walked over, and I had a drink in my hand, and I was acting like I was talking to no one. I mean, there was no one there. <laughs> but I was... <laughs> but I told you this story before. No. <laughs> I just needed to talk to him, and I couldn't figure out a way to do it that wasn't like, hi, my name is Cody. I'm one of your biggest fans. He's like, be my best friend. Are you homeless? I don't know. Okay, bye. Michael. I know all the inside jokes about you, I promise. Um, So, yeah. So I I went over, and I was turned around like I was talking to my friend Desiree, who wasn't even there. (laughs) 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 And I just straight up ran into him. But I like almost acted it too well because I like knew where he was and I was turned and I was talking to, to Desi and 
I turned around really late and I ended up just burying my head in his chest, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> and instinctually just kind of wrapped my left arm around his back. <laughs> whenever I did that. <laughs> I cannot see him enjoying this intimate experience. He lifted. I mean, he's a really tall guy. But he lifted both of his arms, like his elbows in the air, you know, where it's like your elbows go up, but your wrists kind of stay down. He, he lifted both of his elbows up and his wrists were down. He was like, whoa, hey, hey, hi. And I was like, oh, it's Michael. I'm so sorry. I didn't see it. I was talking to, I'm Cody. You're here. I'm here, too. You know, it was just terrible. Oh, my God. It was so bad. I think this is the first time I've ever really been starstruck. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That was like, ugh, I cannot believe I hadn't told you that story before. It was just so, so Never, sad. Never, ever. I'll say he smelled very nice. He well, smelled good. like a good actor good. is what he smelled like. <laughs> like he could just, I notice uh, you smell nice. You must you be smell like a good actor at performing. You like. mm-hmm. <laughs> you clearly left the park bench behind. I think one of my favorite performances. Have you seen The Shape of Water? No, I haven't. That is maybe my favorite performance of his. He's so good. He Revolutionary Road is what does it for me. Mm, yeah, that's a really good one, too. I think what he's so good at, and even in like the Superman movie, speaking of like the... Uh, Wait, Shape of Water, that's the one where there's a storm coming and no one believes him? Nope. Oh. That's the Sha- Guillermo del Toro, uh, the, the woman falls in love with the sea creature. Different then. Yeah. Um it's a beautiful movie. You should watch it. It, it deserved the uh, Oscar of the year one. So, yeah. Um, but he, it's, it's so much about like these little moments in between. Oh, he's just, that he, he never, does. like he finds really good stuff, but he like, he's always he'll, performing, like, lock in to what he's doing, like uh-huh. to who he's supposed to be talking to or looking at or whatever. And he's doing all of these other things that are informing you about who the character is. And also, all time has this this like look about him that you don't know if he's gonna murder them yeah. or not. Like it's just always like he's always on the tightrope. I love yes, it. Yes, it is. It's like right on the edge, which was what Revolutionary Road was mm-hmm. for me. It was like he's so close to snapping. Like I feel like acting with him would be a terrifying experience because <laughs> yes. you just don't know. Like yeah. you just don't know what you're gonna get or who he's gonna be or. Like what could change? What the possibilities there are? Uh, yeah, I just, I just absolutely love everything I've ever seen him in, um, and I just cannot believe that I have had the fortune of burying my face in his <laughs> chest, <laughs> and then you know handling that situation in the absolute worst way. Yeah, the absolute worst way. Well, I since did. you've shared your actor crush, I'll let you know mine is um, Jeff Daniels. Oh man, yeah, Daniels! I've never ran into him anywhere. Yeah, not yet. I wish I had. Not yet. I wish I had. I wish he run in here on this podcast. It would be about a three-hour <laughs> podcast. I wouldn't care. Or everybody, uh, like, hit the plush uh, button. Uh, like, for I'm part sorry, two. everyone. We've just uh, deleted the entire thing that we just did, and we're now going to talk to <laughs> Jeff Daniels. We're going to live stream that one. He is so awesome. Mm-hmm. I just he also is. Like, you look at what he has done, and it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. 
that he is who he is. Like how he could agree to do Dumb and Dumber. It's and not that he agreed to it. Did dumb you, have and you ever, Dumber-er. Have you ever heard that story? No, I, I don't think I've... So he was he was talking to like uh, some some podcaster or interviewer or whatever. When he got the... Everyone told him, do not do this job. And he said, no, I'm doing it. I want to do it. If I'm breaking into film... I want to do something that, you know, I'm known on stage for being this very serious actor. Yeah. I want to do something different. And so he went on to, they, they were filming for about a month before um, Jim Carrey came into his dressing room early one morning and was like, all right, man, let's do this. Let's go to work today. And he said, that was when I knew I had the job. He said, because we were shooting all of these scenes that were gym heavy but never anything that was me. So they were oh. testing me out to see if I could work against him because they knew I was a serious actor. That's so interesting. Freaking nailed it, man. It's so good. Because it's, you know, I think that's the problem with comedies today is that they're putting too many comedians fighting for yeah. the attention. on, And it's like, well, you know who the funny man is in that. You know it's Jim. He's a force to be reckoned with. I say Jim like I know him, but Jim Carrey is a force to be reckoned oh, with. Jimmy oh, Jimmy Pants. Uh, you know, oh, JC, we hang out all the time. Um, but, you know. Jimmy doesn't have room for you <laughs> no. in his Rolodex. It's too, it's too full of all of his. Not in the headspace he's been in in the last several years. No, no, it's just all of his very different yes. personalities and feelings that he's hanging with. But, but it. it when you have something like that where the, the the balance is there, where you can have someone who can play the straight guy almost without yeah. trying to fight for the funniest line in any given moment, and you just you work well with one another. But that's so interesting to me that he he even he knew like I'm I don't know if I have this job yet, even after a yeah. month of filming. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. I know I knew that he wanted to do it. I could not believe that he did Dumb and Dumber-er. Mm-hmm. Well, I was like, what in the world? Well, when you have such a great experience doing something the first time and they're offering you just like a a metric ton of money to come back. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you're no longer Jeff Daniels who's from Dumb and Dumber. You're like, I'm Jeff Daniels who is top notch. Yeah. I mean, his performance in the newsroom is insane. He's it's so, so good. good. So freaking good, man. Yeah. I just yeah, I I would uh I I would just eat a whole scoop of Jeff Daniels. I mm-hmm. would. I'd, I'd do a double scoop. But I also love that he hates Hollywood and everything yeah. it stands for. <laughs> he's like, "No, this isn't I mean, this is not real I life." Think maybe that's maybe why he's so good is that he just has an understanding. Mhm. Maybe that's what the difference is. He doesn't like, you know, go so far over the deep end. Yeah. Well, that's what they were talking about him on the Oscars. You know, everyone's dressed up in a tuxedo or a dress or something for the he's sitting there in a flannel on his on his bed in the hotel room. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, I I know what this is. Yeah. It was whatever. It's like I'm not sitting uncomfortable in my room for three hours to get an accolade. Yeah. Okay. I don't think I would be that level-headed. No, I would have put the tuxedo. I'd have been on, on a, in a tuxedo and been like, "Thank you for having me." Yeah, there would have been a team of people fixing my hair, putting makeup on me. <laughs> Let's get a ring light in here so I don't look pale and dead. What is it with people in these ring lights? Like, take your glasses off. <laughs> like, yes. What? Just stop showing me that you got these ring lights. I keep thinking that people are getting attacked by aliens. 
like all these circle lights coming towards their glasses all the time. Like, what is going on? Like, stop it. Yeah. Stop. And if you're going to use a ring light and wear glasses, check it. <laughs> you're so critical. Check it. You have the time. Look at yourself. Find your spots that you can move and you can't move. Yeah. And stay in your lane. <laughs> I mean, you would think these people have never been on film before. Yeah, they probably haven't. Oh, my God. Yes, they have. Oh well, they've never been a God. part of the lighting. They've never done any, like, real, like, oh, let's understand how to light a scene or how to pull focus or any of that me, stuff. It drives me crazy. You're going to spend the money on a ring light, and then you, I guess you just want people to know. Like, yeah. oh, look, I've got a ring light. That's why That's why I look so, so amazing. But I'm talking out of these Apple... Uh, headset yeah, phones. My, I, I spent $40 on this and I'm speaking out of my stock headphones. Mm-hmm. But it's okay because I'm holding it near my mouth. <laughs> it's even worse. Ugh. Goodness. Anyway, uh, you want to get out of here? Hey, on the way out, do you want me to tell you my Nathan Lane experience? Absolutely. Um, I was walking down the street. There was a busy intersection. I bumped into someone. Not, I obviously didn't nestle into his chest. <laughs> He's a little shorter than me. Bumped into somebody. Someone screamed his name. He looked at me, panicked, grabbed the taxi that was like right next to the crosswalk and jumped in. Stole this taxi from somebody. He was on his way to the Goodman Theater. It was a block away. And he jumped into this taxi. I could see the sign. It was like he panicked. I don't know what he thought was about to happen, but I was so confused. I looked over at my friend and I said, was that Nathan Lane? (laughs) (laughs) Like, that was Nathan Lane. And then this dude screamed, oh, my God, Nathan Lane? He just stole my cab. (laughs) So that dude now has a story about Nathan Lane. He's like, dude, let me tell you about that jerk Nathan Lane. I was like, that's weird because he's doing Iceman Cometh right there like that's where he's going he has a performance in an hour and a half like he needs to be there (laughs) and he just took a cab in the opposite direction to take the block like that's like that scene from birdman when michael keaton's character gets kicked out of the uh theater and he has to walk around back around to the front but like nobody cared yeah that's what the thing i was like why did he just this was so overly dramatic that's all i got that's my nathan lane thing that's all i got he just jumped in there stole the guy's cat <laughs> well everyone that was Cody <laughs> <laughs> and that is always going to be Christophanopoulos Okay. <laughs> <laughs>